Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the book of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Freedom from Worry, preached on August 31st, 1997. Matthew six twenty-five through 34, God guarantees freedom from worry. In this passage, our Lord deals with our serious problem of worrying. The King James Version reads like this, Take no thought about your life. Now in 1611, that expression meant, Do not worry. Do not be anxious. But today, that meaning has changed. Therefore, many people have concluded by reading, take no thought about your life in the King James Version. I say many people have concluded that they should not be concerned about how to provide for themselves that they should not give any thought regarding their study and their career and their work. They conclude it is spiritual to be lazy and live, quote, by faith, unquote. I have had opportunity to meet such people. They pretend to be very spiritual. Because they take no thought concerning what to eat and what to put on. They get up late in the morning and faithfully check their mail to see whether they received any checks from people who take thought and work hard. They are not spiritual. They are freeloaders. They want others to work hard so that they could live by faith. Of course, they are careful to send out newsletters informing hard-working God's people to send them money so that they could live by faith. First, let's look at this word in the Greek that is translated in the New International Version, do not worry. The Greek word is merim now, which means to be divided, to be distracted, to be double-minded, to have a double vision, to be unfocused. Our Lord used this word in reference to Martha's anxiety. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 41, we read, Martha, Martha, you are worried. That is, Merim now. And upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to the gospel. Don't be distracted, friends. Don't be double-minded. Pay full attention to the gospel of Jesus. 
and there won't be any need for worrying. Be warned by what St. James tells us in his epistle. A double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. So let us look at the reasons that our Lord Jesus Christ, wisdom incarnate, truth eternal, gives us for not worrying. I want to give you ten reasons. Jesus argues his case for not worrying. He reasons it out. Modern man has no time for reasoning. He is emotional. He is feeling dominated. Even journalists who are supposed to report what has happened. You have heard them asking the question, how do you feel now? And so on. Even Christians have abandoned sound reasoning. They do not much care for sound doctrine. They go to church to feel better. They turn their minds off as they enter the sanctuary. But if anyone should live by thinking, by reasoning, it is the Christian. Because he alone is made capable of proper rational thought. Christians are to live by a renewed mind. In order to feel better, we must first think better. We must use our minds. So Jesus gives us reasons not to be terrorized by anxious thoughts. So first reason is given here in verse 25. The Greek text tells us dia tuto. Therefore, on account of this, because. In other words, there is a logical connection to what he said previously to this. What did he say previously? His disciples should store up treasure in heaven, he said. He said his disciples should be of single vision. He said his disciples should serve only God and not God and money, which is an impossible task. So when Jesus says, tuto, or therefore, he gives us The reason, number one, if they do this, serve God alone. Store up treasure in heaven alone. If you see reality with a good eye, having single vision. If they do this, then they do not need to worry about anything. Friends, pay attention to the gospel. And you shall have peace. Second reason is given. He says in verse 25, Is not life more important than food 
and the body more important than clothes. The second reason is this. Greater gifts from God includes lesser gifts. Keep that in mind. If God has given us the greater gift of life, we have nothing to do with this life. He has given us a gift. If God has given us the greater gift of life, then we must conclude he will also give us the lesser gift of food to sustain life. God has given us body, which is the greater gift. If God has given us the greater gift of the body, we as rational creatures must deduce, must conclude, must infer that he will also give us the lesser gift of clothes as well. And you find this type of argument all over the scriptures. You read Romans 8 and verse 32. They are saying, Paul says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Here the greater gift is Jesus Christ the one and only Son of God. In this greater gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is included the lesser gifts of all things. That is, all things necessary for our complete salvation. Salvation of our soul and salvation of our body. In other words, as Christians, use your minds, draw conclusion, think, infer, so you can feel better. Draw conclusion so that we may feel better and stop worrying. If I bought an expensive Rolls Royce car, you must conclude I have also the ability to fill it with gasoline. <laughs> it is sound reasoning. And the third argument that our Lord Jesus Christ gives us here is found in Matthew 6 and verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. The argument from the birds of the air our God is the triune God of the Holy Scriptures. He is above creation. He is transcendent. Yet unlike the God of the deists, he is also immanent, meaning involved in the affairs of the world continuously. He is the God of providence. He maintains the world and governs the world. He is the one who not only created the birds of the air, but continually feeds the birds. Birds are not supposed to sow and reap and gather into barns. 
Some stupid Christians have concluded, therefore, they shouldn't do any work. That's stupid. Birds are not supposed to sow and gather and harvest. But look at the birds. Birds are not lazy. They work very, very hard. They wake up very early in the morning. They sing. They go in search of food. They build nests. They raise their young. They feed themselves and their young. They travel thousands of miles in search of food and better climate. They work very hard. Yet they do not worry. Have you ever seen a bird worry? Yet the Lord Jesus Christ tells us, our heavenly father feeds the birds, their creator. Yet our heavenly father feeds every bird in the whole universe. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 147 and verse 9, he, God, provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. Yes, God feeds the cattle, he feeds the young lions, he feeds the birds. Now, as intelligent human beings, enabled by God in salvation to think straight, let us think straight. If so, God will feed us also. If he so feeds the birds who are less than you are in the scale of being, you must draw logical conclusion. What is the conclusion? God will feed you. You are more valuable than birds. Greek is you differ from birds, meaning in the scale of being. You are more valuable than birds. You are the crown of creation. Do not believe in the environmentalist gospel, which says that man is probably is the same as spotted owl, or man is less than a spotted owl. Man is greater. He is created in the image and likeness of God. He is created to think and worship God. So then beyond any disputation. Draw the conclusion. That God will feed man. And not only so. The scripture tells us he feeds even those who hate God. His sun shines on the good and the evil. His rain comes down upon the wicked and the just. If our God feeds the animals, the birds, his own enemies, draw the conclusion. He who is our heavenly father will feed us, his children, the bride of his only son, Jesus Christ. Notice how the cloud of worrying is blown away by scriptural, rational thinking. And you begin to feel better now, isn't that true? I believe in feeling. 
but it should follow thinking. Number four reason. Look at verse 27. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Uselessness of worrying of man. Jesus asks a question. It is also a challenge. Who of us can by worrying add 18 inches of lifespan to our life? Or an hour more to our life? It is a challenge to the competence of man. The rich man, the educated man, the scientific man, the philosopher man, the political man, the technological man, the medical man. The expected answer is no man can do this very least thing. Our times are in his hand. And in his time, the birds fall to the ground and man returns to the dust. So worry is useless. It is impotent. It cannot add an hour to our life. But if we study worrying, there is indication worry can be detrimental to our life. Now if this is so, what is the logical inference? Worry is useless. Don't be an idiot. Don't worry. If you are a child of the Heavenly Father. Let me say it again. This is not written to unbelievers. It is written to the children of the Heavenly Father And so it is only applicable to a child of God. Reason number five. Look at verse 28 of Matthew 6. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. See, the word is katamathete. From katamantano. Study flowers, in other words. Pay attention to flowers and think straight. Jesus here says, why do you worry about clothing? Go and study flowers. Wild flowers. The scarlet puppies that spring up in the spring in Galilee and carpet the earth. They do not toil or spin for their own garment of exquisite splendor. Jesus says, God clothes these grass. The last for a day in such splendor that no man, not even Solomon, could excel and surpass. Think then from this. Thinking Christians must conclude God will much more clothe us. His children are created for eternity, unlike the grass. He clothes us spiritually and physically. And Isaiah 61 and verse 10, we read this I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, 
for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. And now, friends, look at the clothes you are wearing. And ask the question, who gave you these? And the only answer that a child of God can give, our Heavenly Father gave it to us because he is concerned about us. He has clothed us spiritually and he has clothed us physically and he will clothe us tomorrow also. So do not worry. And look at reason number six. It is given in verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Grow up in faith, in other words. If you want to be guaranteed of a life of tranquility, grow up in trust, grow up in your faith. Christians who worry are people of little faith. One good thing about Mr. Little Faith is that he is a Christian. He is saved. He goes to heaven. And you study the Bible every time Jesus used this word, which is one word in Greek, oligopistos, little faith. Every time he used this word and addressed people, he addressed his timid, fearful, and doubting disciples. He never used this word to address unbelievers. So rejoice if you are Mr. Little Faith that you are saved and you are going to heaven. You are in a much better condition than the person who has no faith. Oh yes, Mr. Little Faith goes to heaven when he dies, but while he lives, he continually worries and frets. He can behave just like his pagan neighbor who can only worry. So if you do not want to worry, grow up in faith. We must grow up from little faith to great faith. There is a range of faith. From little faith to great faith. The faith of the centurion. The faith of the Canaanite woman. The faith of Elijah. Growth in faith comes through hearing and doing God's word. The Bible says faith comes by submissive hearing of the word of God. Show me a person who grows in faith. I will show you a person who is a student of scripture. I will show you a person who is steady, confident tranquil, not worrying, but working hard in the world. Reason number seven. Look at verse 32. For the pagans run after these things. Understand that worry defines pagans. Worry is the nature of Gentiles, not the children of the Heavenly Father. 
the Gentiles, the pagans, the unbelievers, the non-Christians. They run after these things, epithetia. They seek with all intensity and determination these things, material things. They live for them. They are blinded without understanding, spiritual understanding. They are unregenerate. They are without God and without hope in the world. They have no relationship to the Heavenly Father. They store up their treasure upon the earth. They serve money. They worry. Whether rich or poor, they worry. Because they trust in themselves, they have no great, eternal, everlasting, transcendent, sovereign, immanent Savior God upon whom they could trust. So the argument is don't be like the Gentiles. You are different. You are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. You have been enlightened. You have been made children of the heavenly father in Jesus Christ. You are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You are different. You are distinct. So live a distinctive life. A life of confidence. A life without worry. A life that is attractive to the world of warriors. Reason number eight. Matthew 6 and verse 32. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Your heavenly father knows. He knows life needs sustenance. He knows body needs clothing. Abraham learned this in Genesis 22. When Isaac put the question to the father, we have the fire and we have the wood. Where is the lamb? Where is the animal for sacrifice? And we hear from this father of all believers the answer, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord sees. The Lord knows. Let me tell you, if the Lord knows, it means he provides. He knows you have need of all these things. These temporal things. He knows that we cannot live without it. The Lord knows. And the Lord provides these things. He provides these things to animals. He provides to the birds. He provides to his enemies. He provides especially for his own children. If you parents provide for your cats and dogs, will you forget to provide especially for your own children whose needs you anticipate and you know? Listen to what Jesus says in the seventh chapter of Matthew and verse 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Read the history, Bible history, and you will find this is true. 
He provided manna in the desert. Water he provided from the rock to his people. He kept their clothes and shoes from wearing out for 40 years. He knew Elijah's need for food and fed him by means of a raven. Then he fed him through a poor widow. Then he fed him through an angel. Read the Bible. Jesus fed once 5,000 men. He fed another time 4,000 men. And after his resurrection, he fed his disciples miraculously in Galilee with fish and freshly baked bread. And he called his disciples, come and dine. What is the reason, number eight? Your heavenly father knows by which you deduce. He not only knows in a detached manner, but he provides. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall lack nothing. So as thinking people, we must conclude, why then worry? It is irrational. It is unnatural for the people of God. Number nine, look at verse 33 of Matthew 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Prostitheme will be added. Pagans run after with total determination with all their heart and mind for the obtaining of money. They can do no other. They have no God. They have no hope. They have no king. They have no kingdom. But Christians should not run after these things. They are to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Turn with me to Isaiah 52. Let's understand what the kingdom of God is all about. Isaiah 52 and verse 9. Listen to this gospel proclamation. Let me read from verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, what? Your God reigns. The kingdom of God has come. Peace has come. Salvation has come. Prosperity has come. Restoration has come in the kingdom of our God. And therefore, we can do something positive which the unbeliever cannot do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Remember he taught his People to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then you slip in the request, give us this day our daily bread. Seek ye first with all your might, with all your heart, with all your strength. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is the idea here. They are to love the king of his kingdom with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. They are to submit to the rule of their king. They are to delight in knowing and doing God's will. 
They are to concentrate upon that which is of the greatest importance. Kingdom of God. And its righteousness. Money is of secondary importance. You have to love God and please him by doing his will. If you do so, God guarantees to add to us money. He will add to us food and clothing. Of course, we must plant and water. But God gives us the water and the sunshine. And above all, the increase is in that true. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 7 and verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, that is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, meaning practical, experimental righteousness by doing the will of God. Love God. Commune with God. Seek his will. Do them. Practice righteousness. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He guarantees that goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And he will do the same for you all your years upon this earth. Do not fret, my friend. Delight in the Lord and trust in the Lord. Reason number 10. Look at verse 34. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This verse looks like an anticlimactic statement. But God understands. That we have a habit of worrying about tomorrow. In other words Jesus Christ tells us. Concentrate on the affairs of today. Many Christians worry about tomorrow and fail to be productive today. Is that true? This is a sure prescription for real worry tomorrow. We have enough trouble for today. Receive grace from God for today and do all our works of today. Most people worry about tomorrow, but most of their worry is unfounded. It's created in their imagination. Well, let's understand this. God's compassions never fail. God's mercy and grace, they are new every morning. He gives you grace for today. Just like manna for the day. He gives you grace for today. Receive grace from God for today. Grace and mercy and serve him today with all your heart by doing his will. Go today to your field, plow, sow, harvest, store. Do your duties as unto the Lord. Worship and serve him today. He who delivered you from Egypt yesterday is with you today in the wilderness and he'll be with you tomorrow and will guide you through the Jordan of your sleep of death and he will bring you into Canaan land his celestial city Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and for all tomorrows commit your ways to the Lord 
commit your work to the Lord. And listen to 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. It says, if you are worried, <laughs> and we all do, then after a while come to your senses and cast all your worries. That is the way it is written in the Greek. Cast all your worries upon God who thinks about you, who sees you. He cares for you. Let me read to you what Jesus Christ tells us. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 29, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that wonderful? You can give him our burdens, our anxieties, our fears, our worries, our guilt. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He cares for you. He sees you. He thinks of you. Individually, he thinks of you. He thinks of your problems individually. He sees, he knows, he feeds, he clothes, he adds. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. But let me tell you the reality, the reality. Your husband may forsake you, your wife may forsake you, your father may forsake you, your mother may forsake you. Your children may forsake you. They may abandon you, but our Heavenly Father will never forsake you. He'll be with you always, even to the end of the ages. Church, think! Think clearly. Think seriously the gospel. Pay attention to the scripture. Choose the one thing that is needful. Then worry shall be blown away by the mighty wind of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Let me assure you it is not the will of God for us to worry. Let me assure you it is the will of God that we live in peace, in prosperity, in health, in tranquility. Live a distinctive life from that of the Gentile. That we could evangelize them. What is the point in saying, come to our church, I'll teach you how to worry. Tell them, come to church, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will learn not to worry now and forever amen and amen every head bowed and every eye closed and I'm sure we have some worries and some cares and some burdens and anxieties hallelujah is there somebody who is anxious and worried and timid and fearful and Listen to what Jesus said, come unto me. I'll give you rest. Hallelujah. Raise your hand and tell God, God, I have problem. I have worry. I'm living like Gentiles, though I am a Christian. I'm Mr. Little Faith. But help me, O oh God, to grow in faith. To live a different life. Life that is winsome and attractive. Hallelujah. Ask him to give you rest 
ask him to remove these anxieties. By faith cast them to him. There is no other person who is able to remove it from us. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Remove our anxieties. May the peace of God that passeth all human understanding fill our whole being and steady us that we may live in peace, in your peace, now and forevermore. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.